Hello and welcome to Not A Fire Boot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and it's finally time for our annual Once Upon a Time reboot. Yay! I think this will be the last one. Yeah, I think we we went back and forth like maybe we can do seven seasons, but then I was like, no, no, it's it's probably only six. Yeah, honestly, that last season was uh, not needed. <laughs> if you don't remember Once Upon a Time, it's I don't want to explain Once Upon a Time. Just go look it up. <laughs> if you've been stuck with us this long and you still don't understand what Once Upon a Time is. Okay, now, to be fair, a lot of people who watch Once Upon a Time still don't understand Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I don't even think the writers after a while understood what Once Upon a Time was. I mean, especially when it became, like, a weird Kingdom Hearts AU, where it's like... <laughs> it would be something like Gaston saying, Do you have the amulet? And Claude Frollo saying, Rest assured, it will be well out of the hero's hands. Isn't that right, Mr. McQueen? And then, like, a car revving in the distance as we cut to commercial... That was the show. <laughs> that exact chain of events may not have happened on the show, but that was the energy of the show. Yep. Was the amulet ultimately important? No! The amulet- But they would they would spend three weeks saying that an amulet was important, and then the next episode they'd disregard it. Yep. All this build-up for nothing! That's the entire thing. They found a hot new thing they can use. Yep. And and sometimes a hot new thing is the sinister warlord Bo Peep. <laughs> I keep forgetting Bo Peep was a fucking warlord. And I think they put her into a similar costume that the Bo Peep from, like, Toy Story was in. Yeah, but she was also, like, they definitely cast her with Dolores Umbridge in mind. Yeah. Not not to bring up Harry Potter, but they're, I think they're channeling that energy. Yeah. Hey, look that that episode happened long before the turfing. So this is this is also true. Yeah. So let's recap because every year since this podcast began, we have rebooted Once Upon a Time. It was our first episode, which was yep. wild going back there and hearing our initial theme song. Yep. <laughs> when I re-listened to all of them, it was very amusing hearing us desperately trying to figure out how to end the podcast for a solid three years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. So, season one of Once Upon a Time, basically everything was the same except Belle wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, because in season two, we revealed that she had been stuck in the Enchanted Forest with a bunch of other people. The main premise of season two was that the entire town went back to the Enchanted Forest and everyone was fighting against Korra, but also Greg's plot began and Neil was introduced in the back half. Mm -hmm. Then in season three, Greg and Neil and Tamara manage to get into the Enchanted Forest, and Greg targets the Blue Fury while Henry has to be rescued from Peter Pan. Regina completes her face turn, and Rumpel gets redemption equals death, and he's dead. He's dead, damn it, fuck you, he's dead. <laughs> he might be coming back for this season. But the, just think think of all of the things we can do now that we don't have to pay money into Robert Carlyle's salary. Yes. Like, we like Robert Carlyle, but, like, damn, they they really went hard on trying to have their cake and eat, him, and eat it, too, when it came to Rumpel. Like, I can understand that he was a massive get, and they wanted to use him as much as they could, but they should have stopped. Yeah. 
in season four, we find out that the new big bads are actually the Gale Corporation, and Jocelyn Gale, granddaughter of Dorothy Gale, is the new big bad. She probably kills Greg. It doesn't matter. Greg was, <laughs> Greg was just a red herring. Um, Frozen also happened, and also we delved into the primordial mythologies, cosmologies of the magical world, and how various figures were like the anthropomorphic personifications of certain aspects, and they had to use this in order to bring magic back to the Enchanted Forest, because, um, what happened? Greg broke the Blue Furry's wand, and that was gonna make magic go away, yeah. but then they brought it back. Uh, and then also, uh, the Gale Corporation tried to use a magic tree so that they can roll a whole bunch of their forces in at once. But then Henry was the author, and he stopped them, and also he freed Merlin from that tree, because it was the Merlin tree. Mm-hmm. And then in season five, we went to Camelot, and Arthur was still bad, except not really, because he was Mordred in disguise. And he was trying to get the four treasures of the United Kingdom in order to resurrect the, his mother, who's Morgan Le Fay still. Uh, and then, but then she and Merlin just have to, like, make up and be nice. Which, I say that now, and I realize that that was basically the premise of one of the Supernatural seasons. Okay. Where they found God's sister, who was the antithesis of creation, but instead of defeating her, they just got her and God to play nice, and then they went off to create their own alternate dimension. Okay. This was a full five years before God became the big bad of the final season. Oh, Supernatural. <laughs> Tune Still in next no year game. when we start rebooting Supernatural season by season. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> 15 years of content, Lindsay. <laughs> anyways, the season fi- the season 5 of the 5th season uh, ended with Drosselmeyer, who had been introduced two seasons earlier as just a random twink love interest for uh, Emma to make uh, guys no, at. No, Rothbart. Rothbart. Wait, who's Drosselmeyer? That might have been from a different thing I was working on that was... Oh. Yeah. Because Drosselmeyer is the guy from... Um... The Nutcracker. Yeah, that's what happened. I conflated the two ballets. I conflated <laughs> Swan Lake and Nutcracker. I mean, they both got bangers, so... That's true. Maybe we'll introduce Drosselmeyer. Maybe Drosselmeyer is Rothbart's dad. Maybe in a spinoff. <laughs> Once upon a time, in the, the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh, Once upon a time in Candyland. Anyways, yeah, so that season ended with Rothbart. Uh, gaining both power from the Gale Corporation and power from the Dark One, becoming the ultimate evil. Also, meanwhile, Hades in the background saying, hey, stop being resurrected from death, I don't like this. Yes. Also, Rothbard kidnapped Henry, so... Now, we gotta rescue him. Again. Again. <laughs> There's one thing this child is gonna do, it's get kidnapped. Maybe when he's an adult, that doesn't happen. Maybe. Yep. Anyway... I only have, like, a page of notes, but I figure, like, I'm the ideas person, you're the details person. Sure. (laughs) Uh, so, I figure that this season is the one where we can kind of use, like, the, uh, half-season structure. So... Okay. The first season would, the first half of the season would mostly focus on dealing with Hades, and the second half would focus more on Rothbart. With the idea that Hades is going to help them take out Rothbart because he is so ultimate evil powerful. But the residents of Storybrooke have to do a couple tasks for him before he'll help out. Okay. 
And, you know, maybe look over that whole escaping death thing by, you know, tracking down some people who have escaped Hades. Now, I had originally planned to have, like, Cloud Frollo, Dr. Facilia, and Shan Yu. I don't know who you think would be good residents of Hell who managed to, or the Underworld who managed to escape. escape. Um, it's gotta be Cruella. <laughs> okay. I was also thinking that because, like, in our version of Storybrooke, their force kind of act acts as a world between worlds with like the nightmare before christmas doors and trees to other worlds yeah that like what the spirits did is that or like what these evil people did is that they escaped tartarus and went back to their worlds to basically be awful to people yeah yeah so clefrolo facilier shanyu cruella uh Should we have Maleficent in there because she was the mistress of all evil once upon a time? Well, we had Lilith in a previous season too, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. So we might as well bring her in. Yeah, because she kind of got punked out. So. Well, that's the thing, is that part of this is make, make her better. Yeah. The Horn King did cross my mind, but then I thought that Rothbar could be more of a Horn King when we finally encounter him. Um... <laughs> Here's a crazy thought. Professor Radigan. Oh, that would be interesting. Is he still a rat? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Wait, what if what if all the events of Great Mouse Detective actually occurred between Cinderella's mice? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> and maybe Radigan was like someone who tried to depose Cinderella like after the events of her tale and then she managed to wish him into being a mouse and that was what set off all the great mouse detective stuff. Yes. Okay, so we have two, four, six people. So we could probably like spread out our main characters to that like, you deal with this person, you deal with that person, get X object for Hades, yada yada yada. Man, I am speedrunning this season because I feel like the Hades stuff might be one of the shortest ones, unless Hades is like, I also have other Maybe plans. not short so much as easy. Yeah. It, it kind of turns into a monster of the week, and so they can go after these specific villains while, like, this is your last call for sorting out all your character issues. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I guess, at the forefront is going to be, like, the relationship stuff, people, like, you know. Yeah, just dealing with emotional stuff. Yeah. Relationship stuff. See, each of these villains is a metaphor for our interpersonal problems. Yes. And then, I don't know, Hades can be- how chill- it... I'm actually kind of okay with the chill Hades. Yeah. Yeah. One with presence, but, like, chill. Maybe he's just, like, waiting for Persephone to get back from Olympus. <laughs> My wife! <laughs> My beautiful wife! <laughs> <laughs> Did we have any casting for Hades? Because I know all we said was not Greg German good god. Um, I I remember you suggested Neil McDonough. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. I still stand by that. Yeah. And Persephone is, of course, Ava Green. Who else would we cast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I did like the actress who played Cruella, so... Oh yeah. Did. Yeah, just bring her back and professor radigan has to have some real vincent price energy to him oh so that's that's one played by brendan lee mulligan okay <laughs> i don't think i've seen anything with him 
Bernalee Mulligan is that redheaded guy from Dimension 20 who's usually okay. running the games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he got hired by College Humor on a Tim Curry impression. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, he could totally do Vincent Price. Yeah. And yeah, that's like part one. It's, yeah, Monster of the Week for, what, 11 episodes? Well, we could probably even do nine. Yeah. Usually, that's usually how it's split um, for a full 22 episode season is like the, the first one is 13, ep- or the, the first season you get is 13 episodes, and yeah. then if you do well, you get your back nine. But then yeah. after that's usually a full season order, and then they split it since you could get more episodes in the winter, spring than you can in the fall. They'll yeah. usually split it so it's like nine or ten episodes in the winter, and then the rest of them in the, the or nine or ten in the fall, and the rest in winter, spring. Okay, that's a nice little arc, and then we can, like, go over to Rothbart's kingdom, I guess, and, like, have Henry, like, trying to figure out a way to escape. Or, like, at the very least, a way to get word to his moms on where he is, and, you know, what to look out for, trying to use his author powers. And I think Rothbart's entire thing with kidnapping Henry, aside from using him as a lure to get Emma there, is, like, he's got the author powers, you know, try and rewrite things in a certain way, and he's going mad with the dark powers and all that. And maybe we bring back Robert Carlyle to act as kind of like an interesting in his head foil, maybe? Oh, yeah, because he would have been the last holder of the dark powers. Yep. Yeah, just has some weird magic going on. Maybe Henry could also see. Grandpa Rumpel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I just have, in my mind, Henry, poor Henry is locked in a birdcage. In a big birdcage, but a birdcage. I can't believe Henry is Princess Tutu. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, the second half. Like, once they've dealt with these other escaped dead villains... Do all that work for Hades. Hades is like, okay, I'm gonna overlook you guys coming back from the dead, but the next time you die, you kind of have to stay dead. Yeah, let's do the whole, you die, you stay dead, maybe I'll think about giving you a freebie life, but that's the last one! Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or I won't give you a freebie unless you can find someone else to replace you. Yeah. But... He does know the situation does require a bit of extra help when it comes to dealing with Rothbart, because I'm thinking that Rothbart went to a universe where the it's kind of like Narnia, where the time might be moving a bit differently. Oh, yeah. One of the worlds out of time. So that means he's functionally immortal. Henry's functionally immortal. And he can just like spread his powers however he wants and use them however he wants. Because I was thinking of, like, maybe giving him a more, like, owl, owl-like owl version of the Horned King from the Black Cauldron. Oh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, <laughs> like, I know some people are tired of the whole Dark Lord thing, but once in a while, having a good Dark Lord is really cool. Especially if they just go full ham with it. Plus, like, this is Once Upon a Time, it's fairy tales, it makes sense for the final villain to be a Dark Lord. Yeah. So, like, 
the aesthetics are a little more owly, but still have like that Horn King thing going on, but also like a little Koshai the Deathless. You know, like a great horned owl. Yeah. But um. <laughs> also, you know I think ha- having listened to every single episode, I think you have brought up Koshai the Deathless in every single episode. Russian fairy tales fucking rule, okay? <laughs> and Koshe is your Blorbo. You are rotating him in your mind. Yes. <laughs> so, like Koshe the Deathless, our Rothbart will also do the whole take out his heart, put it into something to make it harder for people to kill him. Because in this world, your heart can be taken right out of your chest and crushed in front of your eyes. Yep. <laughs> It was so weird when they decided to go with that, because I distinctly remember in the pilot, Regina had grabbed a heart from something or someone, and it looked like either a rubber heart, or they got it from a butcher shop. (laughs) Because, like, the later hearts, like, they look vaguely heart-shaped, and they look like they were made out of glass and were glowing. Yeah, and it was the whole idea that, like, it was a magical enchantment that let you do that, because you could do other things with the heart other than just crush it. Yeah, that's true. It was also, uh, there was a whole thing about their morality system, because you could also see, like, a person's heart growing progressively darker. Yeah. Which, honestly, with their morality system meant fucking nothing! Yeah, it was really, like, pick and choose. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Koshai the Deathless is going to do that whole you know, take his heart out, put it into a... How'd it go in the in the story? It was like, he stuck it in a needle in an egg in a hair in a duck in a chest on an island. I might have gone, like, the hair and the duck mixed up. Let's ask Jeeves, where is Koshe's heart? <laughs> Hides the soul inside nested objects to protect it. For example, the soul, or in the tales, it is usually called death. Maybe hidden in the needle that is hidden inside the egg. The egg is in the duck. The duck is in the hair. The hair is in the chest. And the chest is buried or chained up on a far island. So, no, you pretty much got it. Awesome. So, yeah. The <clears throat> the longer half of the season, the winter-spring part of the season, is also going to be Once Upon a Time Apocalypse Now. Because, <laughs> yeah, our heroes have to go on a journey into the heart of Kosh- of uh, Rothbart's kingdom to deal with him. And they gotta have some challenges along the way, and boy did I get sidetracked this week, as I always do. So let's come <laughs> up with some challenges for them to deal with. Are these, like, legendary challenges or just issues? Yeah, legendary, challenge- legendary challenges because, um, so in Apocalypse, or during the making of Apocalypse now, Francis Ford Coppola and John Milius, like, they based the movie on Heart of Darkness, but they were also using the Odyssey as one of their main inspirations, and you can kind of not quite map the different encounters Odysseus had along his journey back to Ithaca, but similar amounts, and they do similar things. So, like, the Cyclops is Colonel Kilgore, and the Sirens are the Playboy Bunnies, and the Plantation is, like, kind of like both Cersei and Calypso's island. Finally encountering Colonel Kurtz, it's like um, Odysseus's journey into the underworld because everybody... Nobody tells you that Odysseus also had to go to the underworld for a bit. 
before being spat back out and then finally making it home to kill all those suitors going after his wife. Okay, so the main obstacles that Odysseus went through were, yeah, the the Cyclops, Polyphemus, uh, Circe, the Sirens, and also Scylla. Oh yeah, Scylla and Charybdis. So definitely Scylla and Charybdis are something that they'd have to get past if they're trying to get to the island with the chest. Yeah. I was also, I don't want to say too Greek, but I was also looking at the labors of Hercules. Okay. Which were slay the Nebian lion, slay the Lernian hydra, capture the golden hind, capture the boar, clean the stables, defeat the birds, capture the bull, bring back the mares of Diomedes, obtain the belt of Hippolyta, obtain the cattle of Geryon, bring the golden apples of the Hesperides, and capture Cerberus. Yeah. Well, capture Cerberus is something that they might have to do in the Hades arc. Like, maybe that's the finale. Yeah. Maybe the reason that everyone was able to escape is because someone freed Cerberus. Mm-hmm. And so while everyone is tracking down the souls, while everyone is doing their own mini-reboot of the CW series Reaper, <laughs> someone else has to go find this dog. <laughs> I feel that's a charming task. It's it's gonna be- it's charming, and snow, um, and also Jiminy. Yeah. And they have to track down Cruella, and it's going to turn out that Cerberus is like the progenitor of all the Dalmatians. Because <laughs> remember, Kerberos means spot. And when they find when they find when they find Cerberus, it's just going to be a three-headed Dalmatian, and it can grow big. <laughs> but usually, it's just three-headed Dalmatian. <laughs> Who's the cutest little three three-headed Dalmatian? <laughs> and they get the leg going. Oh yeah! <laughs> Cause a small earthquake. <laughs> you mean, have to feed them all at the same time. Yep. I mean, ultimately, Kerberos is the best of boys. So yes. Oh, here's here's a wild one. So they have to track down, um, not Orpheus, because Orpheus would still be in the land of the living. It would be Eurydice. Yeah. They track down her because she got out again. Uh, and she's looking for Orpheus, and then they find Orpheus, but Orpheus is like, between the trauma of losing her and inability to move on, but he has finally moved on, not well, because, like, he's hiding in the walls of this castle, and he's giving this girl singing lessons. Oh! (laughs) He's become the angel of music. The angel of the night. (laughs) The phantom. Exactly. (laughs) He pulls out his ladder. <laughs> oh, and he wears the mask because he did get fucked up by the main ads. That's, yeah, yeah, that's true. So instead of being dismembered, they just ripped his face off. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of the half mask, he's got, like, the Phantom of the Paradise one. Yeah. <laughs> um, And that's that's one of the ones where, like, the equivalent exchange can come in, where Eurydice is like, wow, Orpheus, you became kind of an asshole. And so they send Orpheus to Hades. They send Orpheus to Tartarus instead of Eurydice. And Hades is like, that counts! Check! <laughs> Eurydice, get yourself a man who can do better. Yes. I don't know, that Persian guy seems pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh, what were... Just to get outside of the Greek stuff for a second, what were the tasks of Princess Kaguya? Well, I feel like we mentioned in an earlier season, but I can't remember the context. 
Um, I mentioned Princess Kaguya in that um, Guinevere was also a celestial maiden. In Return oh, to the Moon. Oh, yeah. In a kind of more Chang'e style. But she wasn't actually Princess Kaguya born inside no. the bamboo plant? No. She was just a celestial maiden. Okay. The stone begging bowl of Buddha, a jeweled branch from the mythical island of Horai, a robe of Chinese fire rat skin, a colored jewel from the from a dragon's neck in a cowrie shell from this from a swallow. So let's say that the chest is buried on the mythical island of Horai. Yeah. And they it's this would be like legendary in the past, so they wouldn't be able to actually team up with like Kaguya's suitors, but they have to track down the map that one of them used in order to get to the island of Horai. Yeah, because Kaguya's chest in. Russian fairy tales is buried on an isle on a mythical island called Buyan, so we can just kind of combine mythical islands. Yeah, um, this whole season is just gonna be one long fetch quest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, it's fine, it's fine, but also they gotta fight some stuff to just get to this castle. I think we might be able to combine like the the Hydra with um collecting the colored jewel from a dragon's neck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and also, like, so do they need all of these objects in order to get the chest, or are these just, like, is it a National Treasure, scav- National Treasure Scavenger Hunt? Also Disney property. <laughs> <laughs> How about some of these treasures will help them get into the castle? Part of it is to get to the island to, like, they pick up the stuff on the way to, I- on the, way to the island to... Uh, deal with the heart, but also like they have to get to the castle too to confront Koshai and rescue Henry. So let's say the stone, the jewel might help them get into the castle. Yeah. Um, frick. I'm trying to organize this. Or like, yeah. parse this out of my mind. Because I think there should be some stuff that they need to get into that castle. And I think these might have been clues left by Henry to help them get in. Like, I was thinking another thing that could we could pull in, maybe not as full character, but, like, one of the plot trinkets in a lot of Russian fairy tales is the Firebird's Feather. Yeah, like, I, I'm not saying do reenact one whole fetch quest. I was yeah. thinking just, like, a bunch of them combined yeah. and shuffled around. <laughs> but also, we don't want to do too much of that because last season was also kind of several fetch quests. Yeah. How about let's let's figure out how we want the season to end first and then work backwards. Yeah. Which is they they have to find a way to deal with the dark one powers and sort of like the powers of darkness and light. And I don't I think we've established this in other episodes. We're not big real keens on black and white, you know, good versus evil stuff. Yeah. We're more order versus chaos. And I think yeah. the dark one powers should probably more represent chaos. And light is order, but like neither are inherently good or bad. They need each other in order to balance things out. Again, stealing from Michael Moorcock, where it's like complete order, basically, like complete order and complete chaos means that nothing can exist in any universe. A completely ordered universe is too stagnant for creativity, and a completely chaotic universe is far too unstable so the problems in this universe let's say i guess in this multiverse is that concentrating the powers of chaos 
and order into like two separate people like kind of throw off everything like if if one's in the wild the other might have too much like it's easy for the balance to get really out of whack yeah and as we saw from earlier it's easy for the magic to be destroyed okay so then is there anyone in mythology who's like the personification of order probably like a just a justice god like what was that one goddess from um wicked and divine you know that one goddess um <laughs> like the one who brings about the gods oh ananke yeah who is oh well she's like a fate goddess really okay okay so actually what if the personification of order is Cassandra? Okay. Because I'm just I'm just <laughs> now let me figure out how to justify this. Because <laughs> Cassandra like she's she gets the gift of prophecy, and then she always knows what will happen, and it's like telling people what will happen ensures it will happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the the order personified by her is like laws and point a to point b and certainty and that kind of stuff and maybe oh and then what if cassandra is able to get out of the magical realm and she comes to our world and that's why it's not that it's a world without magic it's just that order is so powerful in this world that it's hard for magic to wriggle through yeah and so they have to go find cassandra and maybe when magic does happen in our world it's very strange weird and twisted hence our cryptids yeah, because they have to get real weird in order to, like, circumvent it. Yeah. But just in the same way, the enchanted realms aren't a complete madhouse because the magic and the power of order leeches through, mm-hmm. is, and especially if the Dark One powers, the chaos powers, are concentrated into a single thing. Yeah. So we could say that the primordials, uh, like, in a bid to control things, gave, like, separated order and chaos into two separate... Not beings, but two separate forces. And one was plunged into the Dark Ones, and the other one wound up in the hands of the Olympian gods, and then Apollo shoved it inside Cassandra. Yeah. And that's what gave her prophecy. And then the balance is meant to be the author, because no matter what happens, order or chaos, that figure is just supposed to record it. Yeah. So, the problem now is that the power of chaos has been so concentrated into... Rothbard and it has been corrupted for so long because everybody just assumed it's dark magic and used it for dark means and this is probably where Rumpel can come in as maybe his time in the afterlife he's come to really understand what the whole chaos order dichotomy means probably his advice to Henry is you have to find a way to free order and chaos which yeah probably means to you know Destroying Rothbart, but, like, he's so far gone, nobody's really gonna care. They have to, like, they have to destroy Rothbart, and then there's three episodes left. Yeah. Or two episodes left. That kind of thing. Where it's like, yeah, destroying Rothbart is step one, but we have to be ready for, like, steps after that. Yeah. Um, And then also, so, whatever lingering love triangle issues there are between Emma, Rothbart, and Hook will have to be resolved at that point as well. Yeah. So... Emotionally intense journey through a dark and twisted world to get to its beating fucking heart. Oh yeah, because that's the thing is that like 
with the chaos being so concentrated and buffed up by all the other power he's absorbed, it's basically just going to be like some kind of twisted multidimensional pileup yeah. inside Rothbart's castle. They open it up and it's the Escher dimension. Yes. So now, again, to get a bit Greek with it, they have to journey through a labyrinth. I I, I don't know how else to expand that thought. Other than Why like, not? Yeah, it's a, everyone knows what a labyrinth is. David yeah. Bowie's hiding around a corner. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we can do some very interesting, weird visual stuff with limited CGI. Yeah. And then maybe the solution is to put order and chaos into the same person. Okay. Which means they have to get them out of... Okay, so here's what it is. It has to be someone who takes the order and the chaos out of these two people at the same time. The best way to do that would be to remove their hearts. And who do we know who has heart removal powers? Regina. So Regina's gonna do that. They're gonna not kill Rothbart, but they're going to make, they're gonna weaken him with the death needle. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're gonna line up him and Cassandra so Regina can do like both hands, grab hearts, hearts akimbo, and then shrimp them into herself. <laughs> I am no, now more powerful than a Time Lord. <laughs> Basically, she becomes God Empress. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw some gold armor on her. And you know what? I, th I think it should be an actual heroic sacrifice. Yeah. And also it makes sense from a bookend perspective that Regina uses the power of darkness to disrupt everyone's lives. And then now she internalizes both quote-unquote good and evil, but truly order and chaos she sacrifices herself so that both are represented equally across all realms. Yeah. And and she is mostly gone. And so we'll have a whole Denuan episode that is showing, like, the people of Storybrooke, like, coming to live with the fact that, like, magic is around, but it's not as strong. And, like, there are still some worlds that are stronger than others, but also no world can now be said it's without magic. Anyone can learn, and mysterious things are happening all over. Like, we yeah. can see mermaids in the ports of New York and we can see griffins flying above uh, Central Park, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and everyone will get used to it. And and then, like, a woman named Regina Mills will, like, move to Storybook, but it's, like, she's, like, a facsimile that was created by the true Regina who's essentially become the one above all, and she cre created a version of Regina Mills that is just this normal woman yeah. who only has Regina Mills memories or something like that. Mm -hmm. But she moves into Storybook and she grows to appreciate Henry. Something like that. Yeah. It's like, I want there to be an actual sacrifice, Yeah. but I also don't want Henry to lose one of his moms. Because that feels like saying, oh, Emma was the true mom all along. No! No. He needs two moms minimum. Yes. <laughs> like, I know we kind of sunk the sh sunk the um, Swan Queen ship, but like, Henry can be co-parented by two mothers, okay? Exactly. <laughs> it could also be something like Henry is bummed and he remembers that he's still the author, so he just like writes, there is a way for Regina to visit her son that will not disrupt the new order. Yeah. And then he hears her say, Henry, it, it's been so long. Like, and we don't even see Regina. We just hear her off screen. He turns and he smiles. And that's the last shot of the show. Yeah. And I don't know, this is somehow more successful and we get a spinoff where it's like, Henry's Adventures in New York. Yeah. <laughs> it just turns into fables. Yeah, basically. 
Yeah, because I still like that idea of Once Upon a Time in Agrabah, but like, yeah. I mean, going solely off of this show, I feel like the spinoff of the sequel series would be called Happily Ever After. Yeah, definitely Henry and his college years. I mean, Jared S. Gilmore is old enough that they could just do a show like that now. Yeah. And it's not like he's busy. I've checked in on him. He's a Twitch streamer now. Okay. And sometimes he does esports. Cool. He he currently streams on the platform Twitch under the revised handle Nightingale underscore sticks. <laughs> hey, let's put Jared Gilmore in a remake of Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your tweets. <laughs> <laughs> no truly you can't remake hackers it's an emblematic of its time yes johnny lee Mil miller has and always will be a snack yes have you seen hackers i've seen clips of hackers but have you seen the clip where it's johnny lee miller filling himself up in a latex red dress no <laughs> which is technically a dream from angelina jolie's character but still an interesting choice okay <laughs> anyway yeah um i think we we put an ending to we stuck the steak knife into into once upon a time it's done it is we finished it yes we actually gave it a proper ending and not the disappointment that was that unneeded seventh season yeah where rumple and hook were cops Except Rumple was a fake cop and real Rumple was evil and fake wish Rumple was good and then he and Belle raised a kid in a pocket dimension, just the two of them. Ugh, it was so dumb. So bad. <sighs> yeah, apparently Cinderella's evil stepmother runs a corporation that involves assassins, I think. It's weird. Hook had a new daughter who was Alice in Wonderland, but not the Alice in Wonderland from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Regina also ran a bar. <laughs> yeah, it's... Let's just forget that season seven of actual Once Upon a Time happened. We have our version. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I know that... I feel like this is a bit of a... bit of a denouement, I guess. I think it's because in the year between last time, you and me just went full hog into Marvel bullshit instead of fairy tale bullshit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, also, I think the real way to reboot Once Upon a Time is just to make an actual play series using a fairy tale themed system, and just whatever happens, happens. Yes. Are you suggesting we do something? <laughs> Maybe the real Once Upon a Time reboot we needed was Descendants, actually, but just the first two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what we start doing for our annuals is rebooting Descendants movies. That you take the lead on. Yeah, so you should watch them. I think you'd get a kick out of them. Okay. I mean, one of my face claims for Sue Storm is a actress who was on Descendants, so Yeah, China Ann McLean. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Anyway, it's, do, do we even bother with a friendship promo for these anniversary episodes, or should we go right into the ending spiel? I don't know. Let's go right into the ending spiel. Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F... I think I went way too many letters in that. Let me try again. You can find the podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod, which are the letters for Not If I Beat You First. And they're pronounced... Hmm, what's a fun Hercules quote? <laughs> Bless my soul, Herc was on a roll. Uh, you can also email us at not if I reboot you first, where you can send us comments, critiques, critici- criticisms, and true loves you would like us to find. We, we didn't even say anything about Hercules. No, we didn't. He's just, listen, he's just some twonk who helps the heroes. It's fine. Yeah. I think, I think last time you kind of implied that you wanted to combine Megara from the Hercules movie with Megara from, from the Hades video game. And I'm all down Oh yeah, that. that's true. Yeah. So Hercules, I don't even think Hercules appeared in Hades. So we can pair Meg- Megara with Zagreus, who's yeah. going to be played by, let me go through my Rolodex of twonks, <laughs> Chance Perez from Power Rangers Dino Fury, and soon to be starring in Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. Oh, nice. Anyway, I, I love that casting, and I also like the idea of, like, they're actually kind of kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Hercules is... You know, there's a certain mean about men and pegging. <laughs> I don't know how to... That was a weird phrase. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, the email address... <laughs> remember when we between the ending show? The email address is where you can send us friendship promos, whether they're audio clips or proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Also, I know we said that we're going on hiatus, but, like, still feel free to send them in, because that just means we'll have a bank of fresh new promos to read off when we come back. Yeah. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our po- Corner Podcast Discord. <laughs> I could edit it together. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Subtle, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. And yet next time, it's episode 200! Yay! I don't know when it will be out. Take your time, Tanner. It will be the next episode that comes out, though. Mm-hmm. We got something special for y'all. Exactly. And in the meantime, you can hear me on Loser Like Me, where I complain about Glee. And you can, I don't know if you can hear Lindsay on other places, but you can read Lindsay's writing on Archive of Our Own by going to, um, the Mitchy underscore 476, correct? Yes. Yeah! And we, of th- Avengers After Credits, and not if I put you first, shall return. <laughs> Alright everybody, bye. Bye.